Well, it's good to be here, good to be back <clears throat> in, the, in the Grace Baptist Church here in Melbourne, and if you have your Bibles, I trust that you do, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, we had needed to take a, a break of sorts and get away from things, and we always, <clears throat> we always, when we do travel, go on a vacation, we never vacate worshiping the Lord. That was something I was taught and something I believe, and so we practice it, and uh, we felt impressed to come over here, and my grandfather, I've heard stories, he used to go up to uh, near Traverse City, Michigan, and when He'd take a vacation and go up there, and churches would find out he'd be up there, and they'd schedule week-long meetings and invite him to preach while he was on vacation. And uh, the story goes that they would, one of his children said, well, we go to church more on vacation than we do when we're at home. And my dad said it wasn't, I didn't say that. It was one of my sisters. He made sure to point out he wasn't the one who said it. And uh, so we're going to church more on vacation than we are if we'd have stayed at home. And that's all right. We're thankful to be here with you all. It's, it's good. It's good for me. I feel at home in the pulpit more than anywhere else. And as a preacher of the Word of God, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And so we're glad to be here. We've gotten a lot of rest, and we're thankful to be here. I want to speak from Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. This will be our text for each of our services together. And... I'm going to speak tonight <clears throat> on the subject of the warning of Christ, the warning of Christ, and <clears throat> our focus will be on our Savior, Jesus Christ, each service. I pray that when we're done, we'll say with the hymn writer, hallelujah, what a Savior. In fact, when we get done with all of our preaching and teaching of the Word of God, I hope that that'll be what we say from now on. Instead of, oh, that was a good message, we'll say, oh, what a Savior. That's what we ought to say when we leave the house of God. But I want you to notice here, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, 
that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And we're going to note verse 31 this evening. It's a tremendous thing here, the warning of Christ. And you notice here that the Lord is speaking unto Simon Peter directly. And these set of verses begin with, and the Lord said. Now, we know if you'll turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this is how we ought to treat all of the Bible. That it is the Lord said. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. I know and it's a shame that some uh, treat the Bible or different things as though it carries more weight if it comes from certain people's lips. You know, there were those at Corinth that, well, I'm of Paul, well, I'm of Apollos, well, I'm of Cephas. Well, the Bible, all of it, is of the Lord. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that phrase there literally means it is God-breathed. That's the literal, as I understand it, the literal rendering of that phrase means All scripture is God-breathed. And just as I'm speaking, and the Lord said in our text, just like I'm speaking to you, when you talk, and God talks, when the Lord talks, you breathe. And so all scripture is breathed out by the Lord. And so this scripture, all scripture, is breathed out by the Lord. Look over if you would. Paul wrote unto the church at Thessalonica. And I'll tell you the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul wrote to them about how they had received the word of God. And I pray that we'll receive the word of God this way. That will always receive the word of God this way. They received it in a tremendous way. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. He says here, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You see, that's how we ought to always receive the scriptures, is that it is the word of God, that it came from God himself, that he's walking here in the midst of this church, the midst of this candlestick, and the Bible said just like there in the book of Revelation, 
that there's a sharp sword that goes out of his mouth. And that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to pierce us asunder between joint and marrow. And i tell you what, it's certainly what we stand in need of tonight and throughout our services the remainder of this week. The Lord said unto Simon, and that's what we need tonight, is that the Lord would speak unto us. There's a lot of things that people think they need, but what they need is thus saith the Lord. And we have it. We have thus saith the Lord. And so the Lord spoke unto him. Should not anything from the lips of our wonderful Lord be taken with the utmost seriousness and diligent attention. I mean, here was God speaking to him. Simon, Simon, should not our attention be given to such things? That God was talking to him. And God is speaking to you and I tonight through the preaching of his word. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible gives us this wonderful truth. And it tells us such a thing as this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Whoa, this is something that I think that we forget because we go through the motion so much. And we've let, as the Bible says in Hebrews... We've let the word of God slip. That is, we've let it become stale unto us. And here in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, notice what Paul records for us. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers or some pastor teachers. That's the same office. He gave some of his churches pastor teachers. And Grace Baptist Church has a pastor teacher. And the church that I pastor has a pastor teacher. Well, what's the purpose? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That is the purpose of which God has given you a pastor-teacher. 
And he is preaching, thus saith the Lord, to that end. That's the work of a bishop. That's the work of the elder. That's the work of the overseer of which God has given you. And the Lord speaks through him. He said in the book of Revelation that there were stars in his hand, and those are the pastors of the seven churches of Asia, and the pastor is the star in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ of each of his churches. And he speaks unto his churches. Those seven letters of Asia were written unto the angels or messengers of the churches. Not to the churches, but to the angels of those churches. And so the Lord speaks to his churches through his men of God he set over them. And I tell you, we ought to pay attention. You called a man to sit over you, and you ought to pay attention to what God's given him. You ought to take heed to it. You ought to hearken to it. Why do we ignore God's word? We ought not to neglect it. It's the most needful thing in our day. God said in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 that man should not live by bread alone, but man should live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's what he said we're to live by. Some of us treat the news so-called news and the weather report more important than thus saith the Lord. And the Bible's more accurate than both of them. Amen. You see, this was a report from heaven. The Lord said unto him, Look over in John 3, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. You see, Jesus has a view of things of which you and I do not have. Doesn't he? He not only sees things of which you and I do not see, He not only, as the Bible says, knows the end from the beginning. He not only, his ways are not higher than our ways and thoughts higher than our thoughts. But in John 3, verse 12 and 13, he says here, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You see, he has a view which we do not have, and his view is from above. And so we ought to give him the more attentive listen. His counsel ought to be that which we most eagerly listen to and carefully obey. 
Now notice here how he addresses in Luke, our text of Luke chapter 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. As far as I could tell, I used a program on the computer, looked at it several times. Oops, excuse me, that's me. Forgot about that alarm. <clears throat> as far as I could tell, this is the only time in the Bible where the Lord Jesus addresses Simon Peter, Simon, Simon. He addresses him Simon, he addresses him as Peter, but never Simon, Simon, except for here. If you notice a little bit later in verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter. So, we find here, and I don't believe that the Holy Spirit in recording of the scripture says, well, let me use Peter because I just used Simon twice. This is not an accident. The, the name Simon is his given name from his parents, it's a Hebrew, and it means hear or to hearken. It's his fleshly name that was given by his earthly parents. Christ gave him the name Cephas or Peter. We may look at this, that the Lord on this occasion addresses Simon in his fleshly name because it was through the weakness of his flesh and the gravest concern and the cause of danger and he repeats his name to emphasize the importance of what he was saying. We may look at it in that way and I think that that is true. He says, Simon, Simon, which means hearken, hearken, or hear, hear. And we find that this name, again, to use that, and just imagine, here the Lord is saying, and he's speaking unto you, and he, he calls your name, insert your name in there, and the Lord said, if it was my name, it would say, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, to get a hold of you. This is a specific call that God is dealing with you on an individual basis. Boy, he deals individually, doesn't he? God deals with you individually when he warns you about your need of him as your savior. He warns you about your eternal state. 
about eternal damnation and hellfire. We know that there are times when there are the preaching of the word of God and it goes out in mass. But there are times when you're sitting there in the pew and it is as if that God is speaking directly to you because he is. He was dealing with Simon and he deals with you. He was calling directly to him. And he had called directly to Simon before. Look over in the epistles of Peter. I believe it's in 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. And Simon Peter writes of this. How that God had called him and it was done with a, we use terms like a, a effectual calling. It was a calling of which he could no longer resist. For years, Simon Peter had resisted the Lord and the Spirit of God as Stephen had spoke of in Acts chapter 7. And there, you and I, up until we were saved, as Stephen spoke of in Acts 7, he said, you, you stiff-necked, you'd always resist the Spirit of God. We did! We dug our heels in. But God, who is omnipotent, And in 2 Peter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You see, he called us. And how did he call us? Through the preaching of the word of God. And we believed on it. So says the word of God. And so the Lord calls his people. He warns them of hell and hell fire. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's such preaching as this that is needful in the day and in the hour in which you and I live. It's always been needful. It's a kind of preaching of which the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, declared. It's a kind of preaching that Jesus declared. It's the kind the apostles declared, the early church declared. It's the kind that Baptists have always declared. Amen. So he addresses Simon, Simon. Well, he addresses you and I tonight. He says, Grace Baptist Church, he speaks to you collectively in one accord he speaks to you individually and then he says behold this is one of the favorite words in the bible it's going to god's favorite words behold take notice That's simply what the word behold means, is to take notice. Take notice. And we ought to take notice, as we've already said, that this is something the Lord said. Behold, this is not the first time that the Lord had spoken, behold, was it? We're familiar with, if you look in the Gospel of John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And you look here in verse 29. We find the words of John the Baptist. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the first beholding. That's the first thing tonight if you're here and without Christ as your Savior. If you've never been saved, you ought to behold him as the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. You ought to marvel at him. Because it was by his death at Calvary that he paid the sin debt that he was crucified and slain and his blood was shed and God saw his death, his perfect death, his sinless blood being shed and he accepted it on behalf of you that you might be saved. And by faith, it's applied to your account. 
John says, behold him. Take notice of him. In wonder and in awe and in faith believing. Behold him. Observe him. See his hands pierced and his side pierced and his feet pierced. See him crucified in your stead. Not in your mind's eye. But see him by faith paying your sin debt. And receive him as the Bible says, receive him that you may become the son of God, even to them that believe on his name. Well, I tell you, we begin with beholding Jesus, don't we? And that's what we as Baptists, we ought to continue to declare to people today is that they might behold the Savior. That's what we as brothers and sisters in Christ is always behold the Savior. As fellow church members, behold the Savior. Behold Him. You ought to behold Him if you're here tonight and suffering, behold the Savior. If you're struggling with a sin, behold the Savior. If you're here and troubled with something, uh, if you're having difficulty in, with uh, uh, faith and trusting the Lord with something, behold the Savior who is the author and finisher of your faith. Behold the Savior. If you are in fear, behold the Savior. Take notice of him. But as we look at our text, our Lord tells Simon Peter to behold something else. And sometimes he does. And in this instance, he says, behold or take notice. He says, Satan hath desired to have you. What a strange and awful thing. I find it odd that Satan would desire to have me. Who am I that Satan would desire to have me? What a dreadful and alarming message this is. That the devil, the dragon, that old serpent, the adversary of God and our adversary, the accuser of our brethren, the most wicked being that ever lived, 
would be after us. If you are familiar with the first two chapters of Job, obviously there is some sort of conversation that went on that we're not privy to here. But something of that nature went on so much that Jesus said to Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Somehow the Lord understood and knew that Satan desired to have Simon. And he was warning Simon, listen, he is after you. Now, if you notice, this is chapter 22. We've got chapter 23, where he's crucified, the Lord's crucified, chapter 24, where he's resurrected, and this is it. And Simon Peter's been the spokesperson, hadn't he? Simon means hearken, but he hadn't been doing a lot of hearing, he's been doing a lot of talking. But he's been the spokesperson for the apostles. He's kind of been one of the leaders, and he's on the inner circle of the 12, isn't he? Peter, James, and John. And Satan has a desire to go after Peter. Now, Satan couldn't do anything except God permitted it, right? Just like with Job. He could only go as far as God would let him. But we find here that this was Satan's desire. He had desired to have you. The Bible tells us in 1st Corinthians chapter 10. Let's turn over there. 1st Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 12. It says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, there was an argument between the apostles about who was to be the greatest among them. But here was Peter, and Christ warns him. What a great Savior we have 
who warns us of impending doom. Who warns us, sends a messenger to warn us of hell, who warns us not only of hell, but after he saves us, warns us of trials and tribulations and afflictions. He gave, as we might say, he gave Simon a heads up. He said, here's what's coming. And he even told him he has a desire to have you to this purpose. To have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, we don't do this so much anymore with our flour. But I remember years ago in eighth grade, we had to take a home ec class. Or no, fifth or sixth grade. And you had flour and we still had to put it through a sifter, even though it was already sifted. But you used to have, even back in the day, you'd have to sift your wheat to get out all the impurities. And the word sift means to violently shake. He said, Simon, 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 take notice. That Satan hath desired to have you. Now you know what it means to have something. It is to take it into your possession Take it into your possession to have it in your possession that you may do with it as you please. He says he wants to have you for the purpose of sifting you like wheat. He's going to shake you violently. He's going to take you and he's just going to sit there and he's going to shake you. You know what happens when you shake this? Stuff's going to come out of it, isn't it? And usually when you and I get shaken, you know what comes out of us? Not some good stuff. Some things that don't glorify God. That natural man comes to the surface, doesn't it?
says, oh, behold, here's what's going to happen. He's going to put you through the sieve. He's going to separate you. He's going to sift you as wheat. And you know, you put something through the sift or a colander, you know, pasta, you put what do you do. You separate the pasta from the water. You put your flour through, and, and used to be you get some pebbles or rocks or different things. Well, this is when you put the wheat through, you're supposed to separate the chaff and the wheat. That was what was supposed to be separated. And the idea was that he's going to shake you up, Peter. He's going to rock you and shake you so hard. And what's going to come out of you, it won't destroy you your testimony is going to be hurt. It's going to be hurt real bad. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's times that I've thought I've been sifted. But the sifting that I've been through lately <laughs> I don't think I've ever been sifted before. Satan will come after you. He will not play fair. He will show no mercy. He will afflict. He will injure. He will discredit. He will do all he can do that the child of God and the servant of God cannot serve the Lord. There is no fear of God before his eyes, and he respects not God nor man. That's Satan. And God warns, and, and if you look, as the Bible says, Behold, Satan hath desired to sift you. God has told us concerning him, he had told us before, he says that we are not ignorant of his devices. 
We're not ignorant of how Satan works, are we? We know exactly how Satan does things. We see how he attacks. We see how he uses things. We know how he does things. We can identify how he does it. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we see that he is beginning to sift. And as the Bible tells us that God is able to make a way to escape. But I want you to observe here tonight how the Lord warns you and I. He warns you and I that when we're lost, he speaks to us of our need of Christ, and then he warns you and I who are saved of impending dangers along our pilgrim path as we make our journey onward as we serve the Lord and as we'll see as we continue our study of our wonderful Savior we'll note him and what the Lord does as he continues on Throughout this, these, this passage of Scripture, and again, I pray that we'll be able to say, oh, what a Savior. And so may God bless his word. Brother Bourne.